1: I'm April Vokey and you are listening to Anchored, my chance to speak with some of the most influential people involved in the outdoors today. Join me as I sit down with my guests to learn more about their careers, opinions, history, relationships, and life both indoors and out. While I have you here, I'm excited to tell you that doors to our Anchored Outdoors membership are open. Right now you can sign up to unlock the membership, its included courses, interactive events, perks, and a masterclass of your choice, all for only $60. Or you can unlock the entire membership and all 24 plus of our classes for only $200. You can pay annually or break payments down monthly. I'll wait for you here if you'd like to quickly hop on over to anchoredoutdoors.com to become a member. I'll be reaching out to you personally, to say hello and welcome you to our community. Again, that's www.anchoredoutdoors.com. Derek Bird grew up fly-fishing Rocky Mountain streams in British Columbia's Kootenay region. His passion for catching trout has taken him to some of North America's most remote destinations. He's the author of two books and is the founding editor of Fly Fusion magazine, where you can find his regular column, Streamlines. In this episode of Anchored, we cover his life as a writer in an ever-changing industry and take a closer look at why we make some interesting decisions in our younger years. This episode of Anchored is brought to you by South Dakota and their incredible hunting opportunities. In South Dakota, hunting is a shared legacy, something everyone can be a part of. That's why they're focused on making their fields a welcome place for everyone. See how at www.huntthegreatestsd.com, where you can hear stories from sportswomen and learn what makes South Dakota the world's pheasant capital. While you're there, check out public land maps, hunting blogs, and seasonal information for one unforgettable fall. Learn more at Hunt the Greatest SD rock and roll. Here we go. Don't be scared. Don't be nervous. (laughs) I'm
2: I'm, I'm totally good to go. Now that you've said rock and roll, I'm like totally good to go.
1: Okay. Um, So look, it's, it's refreshing to be able to podcast someone, you know, who I know personally and, and just to kind of give some, context there. With now being able to record remotely and obviously be able to see my guests, but um, I've been interviewing people I don't really know personally, which I didn't realize how difficult that is to do. If you don't know someone's backstory and their personality, it's really tricky. So it is, I just want to start by saying it is so refreshing to sit down again with someone I know personally. (laughs) And um, I feel like we're getting caught up after. What did you say? It's been four years.
2: Yeah, I think we figured it was four or five years, because we, like, we, so there's a few times that we tried to film together before, like, out on different rivers, and, uh, yeah, and it was about, I think it was about four or five years ago that we, that we last filmed together, and so, yeah, we were on that, do you remember that, like, super crazy, yeah, that super crazy, uh, it was kind of some, some quad road that we took into some fishing hole, and we were bouncing all over the place on that, yeah.
1: Oh, and I introduced you to too short. and that is a memory that lives rent free in my mind that I wish that I you know those regrets you're like, why did I ever rap that song for somebody? that's that's one of the <laughs>
2: was that <laughs> one of the ones? The ones that... Yeah, yes, man, you know yes, so I, I
1: will refrain from saying which song it was, but I do recall having right. A to
2: yeah, no, I think <laughs> that between you and my brother and maybe Victor the cameraman, I think that. Uh, that you guys exposed me to a lot that trip. So <laughs> <laughs> now, was that you know what one? though, yeah. go ahead. Well, well I
1: thought I, rem- I remember being pregnant on one of the ones and you guys were like, no big deal. We're just gonna hike this mountain. Like, well, I'm in my first trimester. I'm so tired. I can't do this. <laughs> Come that on, was, April.
2: <laughs> that was a different one. You were such a trooper too. So here's the thing. Like one of these times we're gonna have to film together where everything's just kind of like normal, right? Because yeah. cause I think every time we film together, it's like we were talking uh, a little bit ago about about how the first time that we tried to film together, you had like a wedding in two days and it was yours. Yeah. And and we're like, April, that's fantastic that you're here to film, but what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> but we were like, wow, you're a trooper. And way to go, Charles, right? Like, <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, so it was like two days before. And then... Uh, yeah. And then, and then, but that one got like, you know, we actually basically got to the river and then it like, it totally chocolate it up and we couldn't even fish. Right. And so I don't know if we actually even fished together that day, but the one you're referring to, um, the one where we had to hike, cause I didn't re- I don't know if I realized how pregnant you actually were. So I'm like, Oh, I said, you know, in the pre planning thing, I'm like, well, there's bull trout down in this Canyon and it's not a super bad hike. And I'm sure, like, I'm sure she, like, April will be able to do it, right? Like, but I didn't realize how pregnant you were. And I think that I felt oh, a that's little right. bit it bad. It
1: was not first semester. I think I was showing because I think I remember trying to cut that out in filming.
2: So, yeah,
1: I can't, yeah. I can't remember how long it was, but I remember every step being like, why have I done this? <laughs> yeah.
2: But you were, <laughs> you were pretty good, though, because, because even though, you know, obviously you were thinking that, we didn't hear very much of that or even any of that, I don't think. And then really, it was um, it was our, our guide that kind of saved the day because we caught a few bull trout down in that canyon. But then he's like, "Yeah, I've got a better spot." And then he like ran back to he ran back to town and grabbed his jet boat. And then we like hop, which probably is what we should have done right. to begin with, right? Like we probably. totally should have like just <laughs> just been yes. like, "Oh yeah, April's <laughs> pregnant. Why don't we just hop in a boat and like actually fish out of a boat?" because that would have been smart but yeah but you know <laughs> filming with us we're not always like hyper intelligent right we're always just like oh where are we going to go fishing and
1: I will attest to no. that
2: <laughs> yeah you but know let's, what let's though
1: talk. <laughs> yeah, go ahead <laughs>
2: you know what though i have to say there's like there's like I, I you know i i sold myself short a little bit because there's a lot of thought that we put into filming But I think that when we actually get there, it's like, it's more like, okay, it's more like, you know, you just want to fish, right? And so there's a part of my brain that like shuts off because I'm like, oh, I just got to catch fish now. Anyways, yeah, the the older I get, the better I'm getting at like not allowing that part of my brain to shut down, just like letting the thinking part of my brain carry on even while I'm fishing. But I don't know. (laughs) Anyways.
1: (laughs) Well, let's let's provide some context here. So Derek Bird... part of the infamous bird family. Yes, I mean Infamous sounds like it's bad, but a lot of people know the bird family. I would say more people know your brother than you as far as being front facing in in the fly fishing industry. So let's just provide a little bit of of context here. So um, Fly Fusion Magazine, that has been a family business from the beginning. I I don't know, I'm hoping you'll tell me more about how that all started.
2: Yeah, for sure. It was oh man, and you know what? I should really know the answer to this, April. Like I should actually know the year that we started. But it was like, I, I think it was around two thousand and three that we got going, and it was actually the result of it was the result of a trade show, and because um, yeah, because my family started like this kind of Western Canadian fly fishing exposition, and then right, from right. there they realized that they wanted like they wanted to do. Or my brother, it was my brother, I believe, that wanted to actually like do a magazine that kind of went along with that. But then once we actually got it started, we're like, oh, it doesn't have to be a trade magazine. Like we can actually like, like there's, you know, there's space in Canada for like a full on like fly fishing magazine. Right. And so, um, so he actually called me and, and he said, oh yeah, I've got this idea. And so we we went back and forth. I was really like, I was really wary at first because, and I don't know if you're like this April, but I, but my guess is, is a lot of fly anglers are. And I know that this sounds really hypocritical because I do spend time in front of a camera, um, you know, out like filming kind of different locations. But but I think in my kind of youthful naivety, like back when I was, however old I was when things got started, um, I didn't want to like, I didn't want it to be like this magazine that kind of just just went and kind of showed all these different destinations because I really started to see and, and it probably was happening before, but I really started to see it kind of in my, I would say when I got to university where I saw like some of my favorite fishing places really start to become popularized. And, and I I struggled a little bit with that, even though, you know, I know that there's arguments on the other side for, you know, popularizing a fishery. I I understand that, but, but I, I think in my kind of youthful, uh, my youthfulness, I, I struggle with that. And so, So I said to, I said to Chris, I said, I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to join you and help you out. um, But I'd like to, I'd like for it to be more instructional, the magazine rather than destination based. And so that became like, that became a real focus. And it really like, it really struck a nerve, which, which you can, I mean, you can attest to this because of what, what you've got going right with, you know, with Anchored Outdoors and like how you're very, like there's a, you know, with your master classes you're very, like, there's a lot of instruction that goes along with what you do. And, and people really, like they really gravitate towards that. I think everybody, you know, whether it be fly fishing or hunting or whatever it is, there's there's always more that you can know, right? And so so we became, um, like the magazine kind of became this place where we went out and found like like some of the, what I would consider kind of the, some of the best of the best, like the most knowledgeable of the most knowledgeable. And we we kind of featured their ideas. And then we found really good photographers to go along with. With their good ideas and um, and it yeah and it it really kind of it took off it really did. Um, some people ask us about the name like oh you know where'd you guys get the name from? It was literally um, and you you know this because we've talked about creativity a lot before, but um, but it was literally like you know when you're you're kind of in a creative mindset where you're trying to come up with ideas and it, it was just one of those like lots of back and forth. We had a few different partners at first with the magazine and. And so we we're all kind of firing around names for the magazine, and um, and it was like one night, kind of before bed, I had fired off a few to different people. At that time, it was only email, and I'd fired off a few names, and and it was kind of like you know day or two or three before you'd hear back and be like, oh no, you know probably not that one. That's not like, you know, I don't think that's a great name. And so so there was there was a few of those that happened, and then one night I was kind of like just laying in bed, and and I'm like. I started to I started to be like fly you know fly fishing fly and and so I started to do that kind of as we do like creative types start to do when they're just kind of like you know when their brain finally gets to rest right that's kind of when when things really start to happen and so so that's what that's what happened I was just like I you know I I kind of like it was kind of like this you know fly fusion fly fusion oh that has a nice ring to it right like it has this kind of like yeah it just had this it had this like you know this kind of confusion of words that went along that that kind of said everything that we wanted to say and so so I emailed everybody when I got up the next morning um, all of our partners and stuff and I just said I said here's another one um, and that was funny because when I sent that one out within 10 minutes everybody's back yep immediate. that's it that's <laughs> the one right and so it was very I can immediate just see so
1: Chris now I can see Chris yes Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Cause he's very much like that, right? Like I'm like, you know, we, we look a lot alike, but we are very, like our personalities are very, very different. And, um and he's like, you know, he's that, he's the risk taker. I'm not right. I'm kind of that, you know, I'm a, a creative type and, um and he's, you know, it's not that he's not creative, but he's, he's got creativity and he's got, you know, vision and foresight and he's not allowed, he's not afraid to like, To kind of take that step and and you know fail at times or or maybe sometimes succeed right and i think that that's like that's something that i've actually had to learn is to be okay with failure right and to be okay with you know with criticism that was that's kind of that's been a a learning curve for me kind of my whole life um and the more i've kind of written and the more i've kind of like allowed kind of some of my creativity to seep out there uh the more i've become okay with like with realizing that, that especially creatively, um, part of creativity and having a voice kind of in a public sphere is, um, like part of it is kind of like, yeah, we need an audience or we desire an audience. Um, but, but part of it is, is because of who we are, right? It's just like, that's just who I am like I have to create things I have to write things I have to you know I have to do that that's who I am and so so whether it's praise or criticism that I get as a result of that that's that's kind of that's very secondary for me and but I had to learn that too so anyways and, and I suspect that I suspect that you like would have some understanding of that as well right because because you're very much in the public eye far more than I am um, but you're very much in the public eye. And when you're in the public eye, you do get a little bit of criticism here or there. and you get praise and <laughs> and, you like, <laughs> and you can't like and you can't, if you if you allow yourself to to kind of to be formed by that, you'll actually be de- be destroyed by it. Whether it's the praise or the criticism, you'll be destroyed on either side. And so it's um, so it's more of a it's more of no, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing. And some people are going to like it. Maybe some people will love it. And maybe some people won't. But that's okay because cause this is just what I'm doing, right? And yeah. so there, there's very much a calm in that. Anyways, I got off track because you're like, oh, the magazine and the family. No, that's um, all right.
1: But as long as <laughs> but, you know that you're doing your best, right? Like, obviously, there's going to be things looking back that you wish that you had done differently. I don't know if, you, if you've experienced that. I, I have. And I just yeah. have to ask myself, well, did you do your best? Yeah. And yeah. And whether again that's you know critiqued or praised is it's really out of my control, and
2: right, I've just yeah,
1: done, done my best
2: yeah, and I think too, like um, and, and with that concept too of kind of doing your best at things, I think that I think that one thing um, that is scarily absent in kind of in our culture, like in in kind of a uh, kind of a raising of kind of the next generation um. And it it obviously maybe wasn't even there when kind of I was around or when I was kind of growing up either. But um, but just that that concept that that it's okay to try your hardest at something and still fail. It's it's very much okay to have that happen, to to like work your hardest and come up short. Um, And then the important thing is to have the tools to actually be able to 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 navigate through that when you get to that point, because that's like, cause that feels very much like an end, but really it's the very beginning of, of like truly anything good that's about to happen. Like if you can get past that, right. That kind of like, Oh man, I've just been kicked in the face so hard. Right. But But
1: so what is your, I mean, you're a writer and what is your definition then? This is fascinating to me. What is your definition of failure?
2: (laughs) That's a really good question. Um, well, I think there's different levels of failure, really. I think that there's, you know, that there's individual failure. I think that there's, you know, societal failure. I think that there's like, you know, everything in between that as well. Um, but like individual failure, um, I would say is like, is, is getting to that point of kind of where we would say, I haven't succeeded and then, and then backing off and going, well, I get, I guess I'm just not good enough, right? Like, I guess I just can't. I guess I, like, to me, that's that's more, that would be the definition of failure because you'll never know how far you can push. And the thing is, is that that you know we're very individualistic, which is which is good. That's not a bad thing. But but sometimes, even even um, you know as creative types, sometimes we need people to help us get past that. And I think that's where, you know, that's where a level of pride has to be squashed, right? Where we're like, oh man, I really need a mentor or I really need to learn more here. I really need to go out and, and figure out how I can become better at this shortcoming. Um, you know, if we, you know, often we, we, we try to run away from our shortcomings and rightfully so, right? They're scary. It's scary to be, you know, to have that, have it, or to admit to ourselves that we have shortcomings. It can be very scary to do that. Um, But really, it doesn't matter how good we are at something, even if we're gifted at something. um, If we head out in a direction, we're still going to have like, we're still going to have some shortcomings in that direction. None of us are are like, you know, even whether it be a sports figure or, um, you know, whatever. Nobody's perfect in kind of anything that they do. Like nobody is. And that's, that's that's a realization that's like kind of a, it's kind of a, a nice realization to come to our calming realization to come to, because then you can be like, well, you know what? I need a few people, right? I need people to mentor me. I need people to help me pass this. Um, yeah. Now there's things that we can do that we're just really genuinely crappy at, right? That we're yes. just like absolute <laughs> garbage at. I'm not necessarily talking about that. I'm talking about the things that we, we believe that we're good at, Right. And that yeah, we, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but you know, I, when, I, when I was 18, I loved business books and, you know, self-improvement books. And yeah. when I was 18, the first one that I read was this old ratty copy of Think and Grow Rich that my dad gave yeah. to me. And that, I think, was the best book I possibly could have read straight out of high school because I never saw failure the same again. It was always, in my mind, there was always a journey, right? I was here and I wanted to be here.
2: Nice. And so, yeah. even
1: though it was failure, it was failing forward because I right. learned what to do. Whether it was going to be a pivot or whether it was just simply what to not do again, it was failing yeah. forward. Sometimes it was humiliating. Um, I yeah. couldn't. I haven't figured out how to escape the humiliation yet. I think that comes within <laughs> yourself, just being again okay, knowing that you've done your best. But failing forward, I think, is a great way to just really embrace that. Yes, it didn't go as planned, but you still are farther ahead than maybe you would have been. That
2: and that's good that you discovered that when you did. Like kudos to your dad, right? For giving you that book. Cause I think that that's like, you know, discovering that at that age probably has a lot to do with kind of where you're at now. Right? Because I think so, yeah. For sure, yeah. Because there's like, yeah, because there's things that, you know, there's things that yeah, you, you pick those things up along the way. And and for some reason, you know, whether it's cultural or whether it's, you know, innate in our human nature, it's the it's more of a rarity to come across people that you know that can you know get kicked in the face or whatever it is and then kind of get up and keep going in the direction that they want to go right um so yeah so anyways that, I think that that's that that's a really you know that that was a very positive lesson that you could learn and obviously you're somebody that actually I know this because we chatted before but um, but you're somebody that can learn from books and you do that a lot right you do a, there's a lot of reading that you do and um, yeah, so so I think that that's really positive because sometimes we don't have you know, we don't have certain role models in our lives or we don't have, you know, somebody that's kind of maybe forged that that path that we that we are going to walk through our lives. And so we have to you know, we have to read books or we have to find podcasts or we have to, you know, um, you know, pick up a magazine or we have to do whatever. Right. And so anyways. Yeah. Yeah
1: so back to the main but and actually before i dive back into the magazine i will just preface that with saying it's also very dangerous <laughs> to figure that out at 18, 19 20 22 right. because as a young adult when you pair that confidence with your limited knowledge of the world oh. and insight into you know your own self and just maybe how ignorant and um maybe arrogant you are it can be a very dangerous mix so just a side note Warning from experience for young people listening. Yeah, that, that's um, a
2: fantastic pre- or a fantastic a side note. Yeah, yeah, right. Because <laughs> yeah, you think you're we,
1: great when you're 25. I mean, oh, I look back now and I just I probably shouldn't have known all those things so early on because I was too yeah. young and arrogant to know um, <laughs> my own my own limitations.
2: Right. Yeah. There is there is that right where we're where we're like and, and I think that that's where you know regrets can maybe take root and things like that is when we when we look back at at how much we thought we knew at a certain stage in life it's so
1: embarrassing
2: (laughs) but it's it is it is but it's like but but I think it's like it's so important otherwise cultures just wouldn't change do you know what I mean they'd become stagnant they really would if you if you don't have these like these brash self-confident you know like upper level teenagers slash 20s, if you don't have those people that are like, that don't get the full spectrum, but they don't even know that they don't get the full spectrum. I think that cultures would just stagnate like hundred percent. And so, That's cause I've thought of, cause I've thought about that before where I'm just like, like, why is that? Why was I so confident when I was like 21 or 25? Why was I so confident then? and and really looking back i knew so little right i but i just thought i had i thought i just had infinite wisdom at that age <laughs> and it, but it, but but thinking back that's why or or what i believe anyways is that is that it needs to be there um it's part of you know essentially it's part of our design right it's part of like our, our brains haven't maybe fully developed in certain areas, and, and yet we believe that that we know most things, or, or maybe everything. So anyways.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> what a good point. Um, so yeah. your parents were also involved in the magazine. And just mm-hmm. for people who don't know, you, you were a full-time teacher. I mean, up, are you still teaching?
2: Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, so, but I've been on and off a little bit, right? So, um, yeah, so I, uh, when was it? Probably about six years ago or seven years ago, I took a sabbatical from teaching and, and I worked full-time for the magazine. So yeah, so it, and which was a great experience. It was really, really good. And, um, you know, I, I got to, I got to kind of drink from all the, all the, you know, all the full cup of the magazine at that point, I would say working for it full-time. Um, you know, I, I did quite a few trips like, you know, where a, a rod company would call up the magazine and say, oh yeah, you know, do you want to, you know, do you want to send somebody out? We're like, we're going to go up to Alaska and, you know, fish for a week and we need to test out this new, you know, this new rod line. Do you want to send somebody along? So, so I was the one that would get to go on those things. Right. And, and it was like, and when I, and when I'm teaching full time, I I can't just drop everything and do that. And so really it was like, it, it kind of became like that, that kind of dream job in a way where it was just like, where it was, yeah, where it was just, uh, yeah, doing that, going on like, you know, media trips where, you know, where all these other, you know, magazine types or like social influencers would be and kind of just hanging out with all these, you know, all these people that, that share a very similar passion. And, um, you know, some of them are your competitors. And so you don't really know how everybody's going to kind of react and respond right away. And, and so there was, there was that dynamic, but it was really cool, like just going, you know, steelheading with some of those guys and, Or some of those people um and uh and yeah just testing out you know different rods and anyway so that that was pretty cool but so i did that for um for a number of years i think it was four years where i just worked full-time i mean i've been with the magazine right from its inception i've written for it right from the very start written and edited right from the very start all the way till today um but the full-time yeah it was pretty cool that way to be able to do that i am i am back teaching full-time now um but but i i and that—that's an interesting—and I don't think I've ever shared this before. So way to go, April. Um, but anyways, <laughs> uh, I think that um, because I, I would have—I would have people come up to me like all the time, especially when I was working full time for the magazine, and just go, "You have my dream job. Like you literally have my dream job. If I could do anything, like there was one guy that that I met, and I can't remember if it was out on the river or where it was, but maybe it was like picking up kids from school. I don't know. I can't remember. Anyways. He he came up and he just said, Derek, he said, he said, I was, you know, I'm 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 in the middle of like switching careers right now and and my my career counselor asked me, like, what job do you want? And he went, Well, do you know Derek Bird? I want his job. That's the job I want. So there's like there was people that were like, Yeah, no, I want to do that. But the crazy thing was is that is that um there was part of me, and, and I don't know if it was the crazy part of me, but there was part of me that had had a lot of trouble reconciling um kind of working full-time in what in in the past time that i'm most passionate about there there was part of me that had had trouble reconciling that right where it was like i didn't know um i just didn't know if i could uh if i could keep working at that kind of full-time because because i didn't want it to ruin my love for for fly fishing because i felt like Um, I felt like fly fishing is like, it's, it's not an escape for me, but it is in a way it's like, um, yeah, it's, I don't know how to explain it. Anyways, I didn't want it to ruin that. And I felt like it could, Um, I felt like it could go in that direction. And so, um, and I missed teaching horribly. Like I did, I loved, you know, I love teaching. I love the, you know, the day-to-day interaction. I love you know, I love literature. I love kind of delving into things with students like that. And so, um, so I miss teaching. And so, so I went back to teaching full time. And now I work for the, I still work for the magazine, but it's not, um, it's not, yeah, it's not full time anymore. I write. And then if there's any film stuff, I said, oh, yeah, I keep my name on, on the list for that because I love going out filming. That's like, that's one of my favorite things. Yeah.
1: Which is so funny because you, to me, you don't really have this real what you would think of when you think of a filming a filming personality or somebody who really <laughs> loves being on television but I guess it's yeah. just because it's not scripted and you get to just be yourself and have fun
2: yeah uh, yes that's so funny that you picked that up April because because I like I have to say um and that goes it goes all the way back you know I've always I've always said to like I don't know whether it's like my students or whoever I you know whoever we end up in a I end up in a conversation with it where we end up kind of in this place, but I always say like, if you can't recognize kind of that inner child like that, that you that, you know, used to play with trucks as a kid or, you know, used to, you know, kind of just go and play in the forest with your brothers or whatever. Like I grew up on five acres and my brother and I just go and play in the forest. Like if you can't recognize that kid when you're, you know, 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70, I think that, I think that, that there's something that, you know, there's something not necessarily wrong, but I think that, that I think that you should be able to recognize that, that kid. And, um, and so anyways, that was, that was one thing that, um, yeah, just that I totally lost my train of thought now.
1: Oh, just Um, filming being on, being on television. (laughs) Oh yeah.
2: Filming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so, so as a kid, I was such a shy kid. And I think that maybe that's what you pick up because, because generally I don't like, I don't like kind of being in front of crowds and I don't like I don't like the attention of like kind of being center of attention I just I don't like that um which is really a conundrum uh but I and I haven't figured out why it is except that that I have like this this kind of like uh I don't know it's like this I don't know if divergent personality I don't know if that's the right terminology but I but I have it where it's like it's like, I don't like the limelight. I've always been shy, but I have this, like, I have this skill set where I communicate, where that's kind of like, that's kind of my, I don't know if you can call it my sweet spot. That's like, that's what I enjoy doing, where I like, I like to communicate with people and share ideas and talk through things. And like, I love that. And, and so, um, so basically my whole life is a bit of a conundrum in that way, right? (laughs) Um, because... <laughs> or
1: just that you do better one on one than maybe in a group setting.
2: Well, yeah, and, and I think that's but... what's
1: so special about your writing too. As a side note, is I feel like when I read your writing, I feel like you are speaking to me. And whether oh. it's in fiction or through the column in the magazine, I definitely feel like you're not speaking to the masses, but I feel like you're speaking to me. So maybe your sweet spot, if you will, is is communicating in a more intimate setting.
2: Oh, thank you for that. I appreciate that actually very much because, um, yeah, you know, I, I really appreciate that statement because, uh, because, because I believe that, um, I have this, you know, this thought about kind of art and communication and it's that, and, and I think it's, and I think that the thought has emerged because, um, because of where, kind of where we're off to culturally, um, And it's just that, that I don't, I hope that culturally we never get too far away from the fact that, that, um, that we're more intricately connected than I think that we realize, than we realize. And I think that that's what makes kind of art what it is, or that's what makes kind of a more mass communication what it is, is that, is that we, you know, when we, when we read something, you know, whether it be a novel or, uh, you know or a non-fiction book or whatever when we read something and we're like and something connects with us it's because it's because somebody else actually has that that same idea and they're able to express it and and it kind of opens up your eyes to something that 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 exists somewhere within you already I believe it exists somewhere within you already and you're like you're like oh my goodness like so just as an example, because that that to me is quite abstract, but but just as, as an example, um, like I remember, like I can remember everything about seeing the movie A River Runs Through It for the first time. I was probably like, I was probably, I think I was 20 uh, at the time when it came out. So it was 1993. And I can remember sitting in the movie theater and like, and just thinking, like between Robert Redford and Norman McLean, like they, they they told a story that I identified with so many different parts of it, right? Like like I felt like, and again, like to use what you just said, I felt like they were communicating like directly to me, right? I felt like they made the movie just for me. You know what's funny, April too, is that is that so I yeah, I remember very much that, and I remember just sitting in the in the movie theater afterwards, after the the credits were rolling, and just not even wanting to move, just wanting to just like, I wish that there was more of it. I just wanted it to keep like to keep happening. I wanted the story to keep happening. Um, so when I so when I wrote this novel that I wrote, which I'm, at some point I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit, but um, but when I wrote it, I actually like I actually sent. I, there's a fella that that I've crossed paths with in the last few years um, because of the film festival um, who's like who works directly for Robert Redford. And so I like so I emailed him one day. I'm like, can I like send a copy of my book? I w- I'd like to send a signed copy to Robert Redford. And so I like wrote an inscription on the inside, like saying, you know, saying I remember like I remember everything about the movie. So just thank you. Like, thank you for telling the story the way that you told the story, because and so, so I wrote that on the inside of, of the cover of my book, and <laughs> I haven't heard back from him. But, anyways, that, that's neither here nor there. Um, so, I hope he got it. But, uh, but if not, anyways, yeah. So, so that's yeah. I, I think that I think that um, that there's like there's this underlying um, common kind of I don't know what you'd even call it. There's this underlying common humanity, and that's what makes art what it is. And that's what makes, you know, um, you know, whether it's doing what you're doing and communicating to, you know, this mass audience or whatever it is, there's, there's this, there's this underlying kind of common thread that runs through humanity. And are we unique? 100%. We're all like so unique and we've all got like our own journeys to take. And I understand that. But then on the other side, we are like, we're like, there's just the, there's a reason why we're drawn to certain pieces of literature. There's a reason why we're drawn to certain pieces of art. There's a reason why we're drawn to like certain movies. Um, And why we feel like those movies communicated specifically to us or that book communicated specifically to us. And it's, and it's because it's because we, we share, you know, we share a common humanity and I I love that. Um, And so, so being able to tap into that at times, and sometimes I fail, sometimes, sometimes I really miss the mark. And, and I understand that and I've, I've walked that bridge before, but, um, and I will again, because, you know, that's part of it. Sometimes we just, you know, we fully miss the mark and, and uh, But that, yeah, it's part of it, right? That's part of humanity as well. We all know what it's like to, you know, to fail and get back up. We all know what it's like to, you know, to, um, to succeed and feel good about it, right? To Yeah, anyways, yeah.
1: <laughs> so you've just segued me perfectly into art and literature and fly fishing.
2: Okay, yeah. Which is
1: obviously something that you are, you know, I, I believe that you, um, how do I say this? I almost feel like you're hanging on for dear life. to art and literature and fly fishing. And it's funny because reading a lot of the books, even dating back to the late 1800s, all throughout the 1900s, it was very artistic. Yeah. And I know that over the last decade, 20 years or so, there's been, or a couple decades, there's been a bit of a shift. Do you feel, do you still feel like you're talking to the same audience or do you feel like you're talking to people who maybe don't necessarily um hear you or want to hear
2: you. Yeah, oh man. April, what a great question. Man, that's so good. Um, so so yes and no, like there's a whole bunch of different answers to that question you just asked. Um, there's so there's a so there's been a shift culturally, right? Since and I would say, you know, Industrial Revolution Uh, kind of scientific revolution there's been a shift culturally and that's why we're that's why we just want to be imbued with knowledge right where we want to know more when we're you know as fly anglers where where we feel like oh you know we can we have all of this information at our fingertips and you know so so we want to know more so so yes um, culture is kind of like it's kind of shifted it shifted from kind of I would say from kind of an artistic approach to some of the things that we do it shifted very much to very much a um uh i I just need to know more time kind of approach right where we we want to break everything apart um and put it back together so that we know how every kind of like every you know segment or piece of our, you know, of our cast. We want to know kind of where the stop points of our cast need to, need to, you know, begin and stop. And we want to know that, that we're fully stopping and accelerating zero to 60. And we want to break down like every single element and, and know every single element. And I think that that's like, that culturally we had to do that. And I think that that's a really positive, um, a very positive thing. Our desire to know more, like, You know our collective conscious, our collective brains. Like, like we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of all the things that we're going to discover, and and that that includes fly fishing as well, right? Like, there's just so much to always discover, and I think that's one of the reasons, like, that that you know I'm drawn to it and you're drawn to it, um, is that you know there's just kind of this lifetime of learning that goes along with it. But so you know, but there's there's this element and and i think that that it's where um it's kind of where where i exist and sometimes i'm like why do i exist here I, sometimes i get frustrated with myself but um because i don't know if it's a message that that everybody necessarily wants to hear right now i don't know if if kind of the artistic message is necessarily the the one because i think that again we, i think that we've kind of gravitated away from that but um but as somebody that you know that has a story to tell um I think that I think that if I can tie into and not that I try to do that, it's just kind of the way my stories kind of come together. Um, If I can, you know, if I can explore that and and kind of even, you know, awaken maybe a few people kind of back to like like the um, the not that not even the beauty of our pastime, but just the um, just the. Some of the bigger questions of our pastime, right? Like I don't know, just the, you know, why do you know why do I feel so small when I'm like out in nature, right? When I'm standing below like massive peaks and standing in a river that's you know that has trout in it and has like you know a blue wing olive hatch coming off, like like why do I feel like you know why do I feel small and yet invited to that kind of party, right? Why do I you know why is that? I I don't know. I have no clue why, but but I know that. I know that there's kind of a beauty that exists there, that that needs to be captured. It it needs to be written about. It it's, it it begs to be written about in a way that's not just kind of like, that's not just utterly scientific. Um, I think if we go through kind of life and we're and we're always just breaking things apart down to the kind of their, you know, their mo- most minute detail. Um, I think we forget that. You know, that beauty is comprised of kind of all of these different components and parts. And when we're just stuck in the parts, we forget about kind of the beauty that exists. And, and so anyways, that's that's kind of what my storytelling does or my writing does. Or even when we're out filming, um, you know, the TV shows and stuff, even when we're out filming, that's that's part of what, like, my desire is to capture part of that. Um, and, and it's definitely it finds an audience. It's just not um, maybe it's not always the audience that I hope it will you know it'll find um, because because I think sometimes it's hard to tap into that, especially like I said because because culturally culturally we've kind of walked away a little bit from that. And part of it's our probably our own fault. Um, you know, the arts the arts don't pay a lot, right? like that you know, whereas science is, you know, you can you can earn a better paycheck in the sciences and maybe not quite as much of a paycheck in the arts unless you're kind of the elite of the elite of the elite actors type thing.
1: Coming up, Derek and I continue our conversation. Again, thank you to South Dakota for supporting this episode of Anchored. For more than 100 years, pheasant hunting has been a storied South Dakota tradition. Now, for the next century, South Dakota is focused on expanding pheasant hunting's horizons, welcoming more sportswomen to the field, giving them a greater voice in the hunting community. That's a legacy to stand the test of time.
2: Does that answer your question, April? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, it does. And I, it's funny. There's two different parts, um, two different things I wanted to mention on that. So one, it's funny because you're right. We're in an era where we really want to know everything about everything, but we want to know it as fast as possible, right? So <laughs> yes, we do. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's contradictory. But just back to the arts and fly fishing um, subject, you know, money, paychecks. So right. with the okay. magazine... Yeah. And even yeah. with what I do, like when I started anchored outdoors, I wanted and initially I wanted to have it be just profile pieces of all my guests and telling their story and sending in video crews and you know or, or camera guys right. to showcase amazing lifestyles. But the reality is that it's impossible to make your money back off of it. And I'm not independently mm. wealthy. I can't go about doing that. Same with the magazine. I'm sure the magazine would have been a wonderful way to focus on the arts, but you may not have sold as many. So. With right, your yeah. with your books, do you feel a freedom to not have to focus on instruction or science?
2: Oh yeah, I I totally do. Although, like in the in you know my novel that's just come out, um, I'll name it last summer on the sage. It's called. Um, it's there are there are elements in it that are very like that are very. You know I would say more scientific right that you know that name certain bugs and and like one of the things if you you know if you do go out and and buy it or read it it's like you'll notice that you'll you'll notice that you know the the hatch chart kind of follows perfectly through the through the narrative right like it's like oh like like the the main character Ryan he's he's you know astute enough to know that you know when he kind of like is putting you know is putting this this you know this uh, when he's tying on like a terrestrial like a you know say like a hopper or something he knows that his summer's coming to an end right he knows that you know that that this will be his last summer fishing this because he's off to you know he's off to the big cities off to university and so so it kind of like he reflects on that as he's going through and but i do feel that very much april in um in the storytelling that i'm doing specifically in in this novel last summer on the sage, I, I feel like there's like kind of this like ultimate freedom to just be a storyteller. And, and that's like, um, one of the things that I, that I love doing the most. Like when I sit down and talk with people, I love listening to people's stories. Um, and I love telling stories and, and like the, the book that I just wrote, it, it's, um, it has like little segments or little pieces of of stories that have happened to me while i've been growing up and but there's this freedom in fiction where we can we can kind of take that story and we can kind of do whatever we want with it right and and we can be creative with it and um and one of the characters in the book his name is is jack and this is always a difficult story for me to tell but um but but Jack is, Jack is a character, so he's in, he's a bit of an older character in the book, he's, he's, um, and his character, uh, I had him, like, when I started writing the actual, like, first draft and stuff, you know, I had this plot arc, I had Jack's character all kind of lined up, and, but when I started writing Jack's character, I just fell in love with his character, because, um, because his character is based on, and this is tough for me to say, and I promise I won't cry on your podcast, but um, but this is tough for me to say. But there has been people. There have been people in my life that um, that I either wasn't able to connect with, or I made maybe a dumb decision when I was younger, and I thought I was too young to to maybe make a difference and connect with somebody in a certain way. And um, and so Jack's character is this character of um, it, it's kind of a you know. It's a it's a character of redemption, essentially, is what it is. It's like, you know, we're, we're drawn to stories of redemption, like, you know, maybe like the Green Mile or, you know, movies like that. We're, we're drawn to that. And Jack's character is very much that character. And it's, it's primarily based on it's based on two people. But um, but the one that I'm most comfortable talking about is, is my grandfather. My grandfather was a fly fisherman and and I never fly fished with him. And, and it was because of, you know, just some family upheaval that happened. And I, I didn't actually get to know my grandfather um, until I was 17. And I was, I had I had gone, I had taken, you know, my my car at the time. And I had driven up to this one lake that I wanted to fish. I was all by myself. and And I was just like, and I knew that my grandfather had a cabin at the next lake up, on the dirt road, the next lake up. I'd heard that he had a cabin at the end of this lake. And I just was like... I'm like, I'm, you know, I don't care. Like, I'm just going to go and see him. Like, I'm just going to go and like see him and introduce myself to him. And, and so I did. So, so I like, after I'd finished fishing, I, I packed up a little bit early and I drove up to the next lake and I found where the cabins were at the end of this lake. And I started knocking on a few doors and I think I only had to knock on a couple and somebody's like, oh yeah, you know, um, Jack, he's, he's just, he has the cabin just over there. And so I remember feeling really, really nervous. Right. And I walked up to his door and I knocked on the door and and the door opened. And I had like on the way up, you know how you have like these these speeches like where you're like, this is what I'm going to say, you know, and I I got up to the door and I knocked and he opened the door and I looked like and (laughs) I looked at him and I'm like oh my goodness, that's me when I'm like 75 years old. Like that's like, like he is me. Like we're like spitting images of one another. And, and I just went, he kind of just stood there and he stared at me and I went, hey, (laughs) like that's all that came out was, hey. And he went, (laughs) he looked at me and he's all, he kind of like shook his head a little bit. He's all, hey, like, like kind of like, hello. (laughs) And, And, uh, and then he went, he stared at me and it was really uncomfortable for whatever it was, two seconds. And then he was like, yeah, you're going to have to refresh my memory. I, like, I don't know who you are. And I went, I said, I'm your grandson. And, and, um, and he's like, oh, he said, he said, come on in. And so he invited me in and we sat there. We probably had this like two or three hour conversation, April, where we just sat there and, and we talked and, and, um. And so, and he he was like in in his old age. He was like I would kid, I, I would put him in the grumpy old camp kind of man type thing. It was very entertaining to sit and listen to to all of the things that that he was unhappy about. Um, it was very entertaining. Uh, but but I often thought like after that, I often thought of like like all those years that that I missed. You know, as a kid, like where I could have gone. You know, fly fishing with Grandpa, right? Um, So anyways, uh, one of my characters, one of my favorite characters in the novel is actually kind of loosely based on him and and one or two other people that uh, that I wish I would have had kind of more time with. And so so with that character in the novel, I very much kind of like I very much allow for that character in the story to very much be redeemed and very much like just kind of get to a place where, where they're able to look back on their life and and kind of not regret and kind of like overcome certain hurdles and allow for their story to to be like a you know a story where the pieces come back together where where yeah maybe life kind of dealt them a crappy hand um but but the hand that they have that they're holding right at that moment at the end of the story is a happy one right it's like it's like yeah it's Yeah. So so anyways, he became kind of one of my favorite characters. He's you know, he's this kind of this recluse who has this cabin up in the middle of nowhere. And he's kind of forced to he ends up being forced to interact with the main character because of an unfortunate circumstance. He's kind of forced out of out of his, you know, out of his cabin and he's just this this wealth of information and knowledge and and he grows as he becomes kind of this mentor to the main character and it's like anyways I I love that and I I don't know if there's room for that in kind of like in fly fishing like that kind of a story but but it is it's a it's a story of fly fishing like the main character he's just like this this kid that like just kind of like like that's how he feels alive, right? He just, he fly fishes and that's what he does with his two best friends, um, his his best friend and then his best friend's younger sister who becomes, um, who's like a year or two younger, who becomes kind of a love interest towards the end as well. Um, now I'm giving away too much. But anyways, uh, but it's but it's like the main character, Ryan, he just kind of like, he just kind of soaks up life and that's how he does it he does it on the river right like that's where he feels alive and he's like trying to he's trying to do that as much as he can before he heads off to kind of the big city and goes to university um, before he feels like he's going to lose that right and and because we don't like at that age you know we don't you know we don't know what's going to happen in three years or four years or five years we don't we don't know that and so um, but it's but any I think anybody that's like And here are the touch points in it. Like anybody that loves fly fishing will love this. And anybody who doesn't love fly fishing actually loves this novel too. I've I've talked to a few people who don't fly fish, who it was like, it was probably one of the most heartwarming things that anybody's ever said to me. They were like, I don't fly fish, but so-and-so gave me the novel and they told me I had to read it and I read it and now I want to fly fish. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, like that's that's like that's so like that's just so meaningful for me. Um, But but I think anybody who like loves fly fishing would love this story. Anybody who um, who knows what it's like to kind of like fall in love at 17 and think it's like the biggest thing in the entire world would love this story. Um, Anybody that like that uh, feels like they've kind of maybe lost a section of their life um, for whatever reason and, and kind of gain it back or have the hope to gain life back and kind of feel like they're in control of portions of their life, at least, um, would love this story. Uh, and it, yeah, it's anyways, I, I said to somebody the other day, I'm like, I'm like, well, oh, and here I am, like, I, I'm not really good at promoting my stuff. Cause I like, I just kind of write it and then I move on. I'm working on another novel right now, but, um, but, uh, but it's like, but I said, to, I said to somebody after, after some of the like, just astoundingly positive feedback that I'm getting from people that have read it, I said to somebody the other day, I was like, I feel like it's not, it's kind of, I feel like as a fly angler, you have a choice. It's like, do you want to be the person who, like, who this is recommended to, or do you want to recommend it to somebody else? Because at some point you're going to read it. So anyways, that sounds way overconfident, but, but I'm kind of hoping for that. <laughs>
1: Well, look, I've, I read the first chapter of that book, and I genuinely enjoyed it. I wanted to know what happened next.
2: Oh, yeah. So just wait till you get to chapter 10. So so the first few chapters are like, the first few chapters are good, but, but it really I'm setting up the story. When you get to kind of like chapters 8, 9, 10, it's like, it becomes like, I don't know, it just becomes kind of like encompassing because I've written parallel plots. Parallel plots are just kind of like, they are what they sound, right? They're kind of like these two plots that kind of move along together. And and any time where there's parallel plots, they have to come together at some point. And uh and I love I kind of love where the parallel plots come together, but I'm biased. So. It yeah, sounds that's like cool a lot that you're pla-
1: planning. When you were when Oh, you were it was it, did you have to map it all out?
2: Yeah, oh, it was yeah, it was so much planning. It was like and yeah, I I wrote kind of this massive plot arc and and uh, and I had kind of these two plots that that kind of run through the whole they run through the whole novel and they're very integral to the novel the novel actually starts out not on a river but the novel starts out in a you know in a classroom it starts out this teacher he's teaching the novel to his class and there's there's like one kid in the class who's excited about it because the kid fly fishes right and so he's just like so excited about it and so the teacher's like like trying to kind of trying to Um, cultivate some excitement by like uh, by like telling them well it's not just about fly fishing right it's it's about fly fishing but it's about you know it's about kind of the essential aspects of life right it's about you know trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life and trying to figure out kind of how you're going to make an impact with your life and and you know trying to trying to understand and navigate kind of the relationships that you have as you go through your life and yeah, it's like it's all about fly fishing, but it's all about those other things too, and it's kind of woven together. And so that's how the novel starts out. It starts out in the classroom, and oh, maybe it, it wasn't
1: chapter one that I read. I read the chapter. I don't want to give too much away, but they, he and his girlfriend, come across some nefarious characters. What chapter? Yes,
2: that? yes, that's that's chapter two. So it starts out. Um, it starts out very much like kind of. I wanted to get started like like kind of right in the action right and so um so yeah and it's not it's not his uh it's not his girlfriend um but uh but it's his his best friend's younger sister and they end up going they end up going like fishing together it's it's kind of opening day on their favorite river and so they they go out after work and and they run into some nefarious characters um, who just happen to be, and not that I'm trying to demonize anybody that fishes, but they just happen to be like bait chuckers, right? Like guys that, you know, sit under the, bri- sit under the bridges. And I feel like I'm safe on your podcast by saying that if I'm like on a, just a full fishing podcast, I would never demonize anybody, but they're demonized in the novel. Yeah. They're the, they're the antagonist. Yeah, there's just so, no
1: room for a back cast under a bridge, and so that's a gnarly gather. Yeah, that's exactly. But it, was, it. it was a while. It was a while when I read it. So when did the book go uh, live, and where can people find it?
2: Yeah, well, I sent it. So I did. I sent it to you. I think it was last year. I sent you like a kind of a pre, you know, what I can't remember what we call it. Anyways, I sent you like a few chapters, like a preview, so that you could write a little a little blurb. So there's a nice blurb on the on the back from you and uh and yeah so you can get it you can go to you know fly fusion magazine to the store like there's a a button you can click on and hit store and you can find it in there under books there's a few books that fly fusion mag sells and they're the ones that published it you can also go on to amazon and uh on amazon it's like uh, if you type in last summer on the sage and my name derek bird it'll come up and you can like purchase it on amazon and yeah so yeah can you so that's can where you get, can get, it get it in it.
1: an ebook? What are your what's your opinion on yeah. the whole ebook thing as a publisher? Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, you can. You can uh you can get it on uh yeah, you can get it on Kindle or yeah, an ebook as well. You can purchase it that way. I love like I'm still old school, right? So I love having that like paper copy and Agents. I love being able to like yeah, I love being able to kind of put that up in my office after I've you know, after I've finished a you know, a book or something like that. So I'm old school that way, but um but yeah, there's I mean, there's so many benefits to to just buying like an ebook too, right? So, yeah, yeah.
1: So, did you ever get to fish with your grandpa?
2: Oh, good question. Um, I never did, but there is a there is a kind of a happy ending to that story. I mean, besides the fact that we would just kind of that we would sit and chat, and that wasn't the first time that I stopped by after that. Every time I'd go up and fish that lake, I'd I'd go by my grandpa's cabin to see if he was there. Um, and uh, and um when when he passed away. So um, he actually got to, I, you know, there were times where I'd go back. Um, I live on Vancouver Island now. There were times where I'd go back to the Kootenays and when he was still alive and uh, he got to meet, you know, my wife and my kids and um, which was really, really cool. And, uh, and just shortly before he passed away, I believe it was before he passed away that um, he, he gave me his, his, I think it was like a 1956 or 58 Hardy knockabout split cane fly rod. So oh, I inherited cool. that from him. Yeah, I inherited that from him, and it was like I still have it, and yeah, I have. It's like it's on my to do list to put it up in my office, but it's still not up yet, and and it, which is awful because I because that's where it needs to go. But yeah, I inherited that from him. I fished with it a few times just to say that you know I've held the held the same cork and fished the same fly rod as my grandpa. But um, yeah, so so when people ask me like why I fish, I'm like. I think I'm, I'm kind of almost too old to answer the question now. I'm just like, I'm like, because I like it. But no, I think that um, I think that it's like, it's it's part of, I don't know, it's part of my DNA, like knowing that my grandfather fished and um, that my dad is like, I mean, that's, that's what we used to do, right? I sure like lots of other people who fish, that's what we used to do. My dad would pull out the topo maps, the topographical maps. And, you know, just before the weekend, we'd sit there as kids and just kind of stare at it. And uh, and be like, yeah, my dad would be like, oh, we're going here this weekend. I'd just be like, oh, man. Like I could hardly wait, right? I'd just be like so excited. So that's, yeah.
1: You just said something really interesting, though, that just kind of piqued my interest. You just said you're almost too old to be able to answer the question, <sighs> why do I fish? And it's funny yeah. because obviously as someone who does interviews, that's a question that <laughs> I feel like I should ask. But I'm just right. even bored asking it. Why is right? that? Why, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That? Um, Is it just because as you get older, we just, it's too, we know too much? I don't know. You, you tell me.
2: Yeah. I, so first of all, I think that, that it's intentionally philosophical. And I think if you end up places that are philosophical, I think it's good. If you're intentionally philosophical, I think that, that people get bored. <laughs> I think that people just are like, oh my goodness, when's this guy going to shut up? Right. Uh, but, but uh, so, so yeah, so I, I feel like I'm too old because I think that like in my thirties, I'm always like, I was always like, why do I, you know, why do I do this? Why do I spend so much time doing this? I wanted to know why. And, you know, I, I tracked down a whole bunch of reasons as to why, you know, it's, you know, part of the hunter gatherer and, you know, all this stuff, but, um, which it could be, it very much could be, but, but really it's like the older I get, it's like, I just love being out there and I almost don't want to dissect it because it's like, because, and you probably, cause you're a thinker too, April. So, so it's like, you know, for people that think a lot, you can go too far. Like you can just go way too far and actually arrive way farther away from the actual answer, the more you think about it. And, and so I've gotten to a place where I'm like, man, I just, love it like I love when my holidays come I love when my breaks come because I don't question what I'm gonna do like I'm gonna you know I've got like these trips all planned and I know exactly where I'm going I'm going to my favorite spots I like you know I I know like I know kind of, yeah, I know how I'm going to spend my time unwinding and just kind of like loving it. I I was fishing with Jim McLennan the other day. You had, I think you had Jim on your podcast at some Love point the last a little bit. He's yeah. fun. He's like, he's one of my favorite people. Yeah. Um, he's like, he doesn't know this. I've never told him, but it's going to be out there now because I'm going to say it. But I have like, I have like kind of a top five, like life heroes kind of like roster and he's on it. So I haven't even told him that, but now I've told everybody that because everybody listens to your podcast, right? So, um, so anyways, he's on that. I I just I respect him so much. I think anyways, we we're out fishing, and 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 he said we kind of started talking, kind of philosophically a little bit. And he he did that. He did the whole. Have you figured out why you do this? And and I said to him, I don't even know if I want to anymore um, to figure out why. I said, but. But I think I, I said I think I know why people like you and I do. And it's it's because even in our restful state, we don't want to rest. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like even even when we're, you know, even when we feel like we need rest, we don't want to just sit and like, you know, mindlessly do something. We want to go out and and kind of rest in a different way and that's what fly fishing is right it's like you get to rest in this different way where you're still like you're still trying to figure things out right and that's that's kind of me to the core like but it's me resting to the core where i'm figuring trying to figure something out but it really doesn't matter whether i figure it out or not whereas some things in life like i can't sleep unless i figure it out do you know what i mean because i feel like it's like really really important to do that And so, um, so, so the, why I, yeah, I I just, I just love it. Like, I just absolutely love it. I'm, you know, I'm kind of, if I live to a hundred, I'm like officially halfway, I'm, I'm kind of halfway along my journey this year. And, and I'm just like, I literally love it just as much as I did when I was a little kid. When I like, when I tie my fly rod to my bike with binder twine, and ride to you know some lake or river with my brother or with my friends, and you know just spend the day there. You know no sunscreen, no water, nothing, no food. But just go and spend the day there, right? Because because we're there to fish, and that's what we did. Um, and and there's still that that kid is still inside of me where I just like I just love to just go and explore and figure things out and fish and you know it's not the same. You know, it's not the same reckless passion. I don't think that we have the same reckless passion when we're 50 as we do when we're 30 and when we're 20 and when we're 12. But but that the core of whatever it is, is still there. I still feel full, right? After I've gone and, you know, cast cast little midges or, you know, cast big Chernobyls or whatever it is, right? I've I feel full after I've done that. I feel like, you know, I could... Feel like i can face the world again you know you know you know exactly what i'm talking about because that's what you do too right so yeah yeah
1: and i think like for me i, I think about it sometimes you know as a kid there was no noise there was no mm. noise of societal expectations there was no noise of just the world um I, it was just the art just just focusing on one thing just trying to get that worm in front of the fish
2: <laughs> Right.
1: To this day, exactly what you said. I, I don't want to actually relax, as in sit there and not move. I just want to right. shut the noise. And that's the yeah. way that I'm able to shut the that's noise That's the way you
2: do it. Oh, that's the really way And that's always how I it.
1: shut the noise off. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's speaking a really of good shutting, way to put it. thank you. So, shutting the noise off, you are about to be an empty nester. And it's interesting. <laughs> I am. <laughs> reading you know we just did our our big launch and i'm i'm currently onboarding um a bunch of new members and i'm reading their survey on why they've signed up and a lot of them have done it because or they've signed up and they're ready to learn more and focus on themselves because their kids have grown up and have gone you know they've left the nest and mm. it's interesting talking to a lot of these members and figuring out where where they're at right now in their journey because it's almost like they're starting over where are you at with that
2: whole journey <laughs> Oh man. So uh yeah, so where I'm at is like this is such a multi-layered question too, but um but it was like it was something that I feared like all along. I mean, you raise your kids to be independent and you actually feel successful when they go out and they go away to university, but but you also like you invest so much of your life, right, into them that that there's like this kind of like, you know, empty space kind of that exists after they leave. And yeah, so both of my sons are off to university. And, and so, yeah, so my wife and I, we just, you know, recently and kind of in the last year became empty nesters. And, and I can remember, like, I can remember, so I've only really, and and I'm embarrassed to say this, but I'm going to say it. Um, I've only cried twice. Uh, because the whole empty nest thing. Because I, the once was this, and this this part is embarrassing. I might like lose sleep about this tonight, and like and like text you and be like, April, you got to cut that part out. But anyways, be I'm, gonna say I'm not anyways. cutting
1: it out. So, be <laughs>
2: <laughs> so the first time was um, when the first time I cried about it was when the kids were like they were probably like five and seven, and. My wife and I, we took them to Toy Story 3. And and it was funny because Toy Story 3 is all about, you know, the kid growing up and, like, giving away all his toys and heading off to university, right? And so so we're, like, watching the movie. And in the theater, like, everybody's kind of, like, at our stage in life at that point, right? And in the theater, people are, like, people are, like, I could hear people crying. And I'm just, Aww. like, I did, I did the guy thing, right, where I was just, like, I was just like I'm looking around because I, I could feel it in my throat, right? And I'm like, I'm not gonna. I'm thinking I'm not gonna cry. This is just a dumb Pixar film, right? So, so I'm thinking that, and and but so I so I like really pushed it down. I really had to work at pushing it down, right? When he's giving away all his like stuffed animals and heading off to university, people are like, you know, crying, and and we get into the car, and my wife had been crying because that touched her very deeply as well, and and we're starting to drive away and she's like she's like are you okay honey and I'm like I'm fine I did the whole I'm fine and and, and like a few minutes later she's all I don't I don't think you're fine hon like like do you need to talk about something I'm like honey I'm fine I'm like totally fine kids are sitting in the back seat I don't want to cry in front of my boys right and and about like 10 minutes later we're driving along And I just like, I just like let it all out. I'm like, our kids are going to grow up one day. And I start to cry as I'm driving. They're going to grow up one day. They're going to like leave the house. And I don't know if I'll ever be ready for that. And so I had a good cry about it then. And then when it actually happened, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think after about two weeks, I kind of sobbed. I kind of like did the push it down thing again and then, you know, trying to be strong for everybody. And then I just like after about two weeks, I think I like had a day where where they didn't come through the door and they weren't going to be coming through the door for like months and months and months until the next summer and or until Christmas or whatever. And I was just like, yeah, I like I sobbed and then I kind of got it out and then I was I was good. It was like it was like, okay. And, and the great part about it is, is that my wife and I, we've been able to like, um, we've been able to like start to focus on each other again, which is wonderful, right? It's kind of like, well, that's why we got married, right? That's why we fell in love with each other. Cause you're awesome. And, and, uh, so, so it's been, it's been like that and it's been really nice that way. And it's like, and then I've got, I've got extra time cause I'm not driving kids everywhere and I'm not like, you know, driving them to soccer or basketball or you know, I'm, it's been great. And so I've got extra time. I've got a little bit extra time and I don't feel as guilty when I like, you know, run to the river after work one day and, you know, you know, catch this hatch or that hatch. And, um, yeah. And I've got more time to write. And so I'm writing a ton and yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been good. I, you know, I'd never want them to leave, but I'm like, but that's, that's why we do it. Right. That's why we raise kids so that they'll, you know, so that they'll head out and become independent and take over for us one day. Right. So. Anyways, I probably didn't really say anything like helpful to anybody no, who's like I'm... in the empty nester stage, but yeah. But
1: I just think yeah. it's so interesting how many people are in that stage. But you know, it's it's true. My girlfriend said it to me the other day, or a friend of mine said it to me the other day. She said, you know, there will be a day when it's the last time you ever pick your daughter up. There will just be a day when yeah. it's the last time and yeah. that really resonates with me. Um, you know, I'm in that stage, my daughter's almost five. So I'm like, yes, I cannot okay. wait for you yeah. to get out of this yeah. house. But then, but yeah. then when I really look at it, it's, um, yeah, it's daunting for sure. I'm do definitely you find... not watching Toy Story three.
2: Yeah. Don't watch that. Yeah. Not at that not. age. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> do you, um, do you find that, uh, do you find that like, like you watch your, because it happens so much you know in such compressed time when kids are smaller but they go through stages right and you kind of like as a parent i remember thinking like like what the heck is happening they're doing this and they never did that before and then you kind of like you kind of like figure it out whether it's reading something or talking to a friend who's like gone through it or whatever you kind of figure it out and then you're kind of like yeah i got this right i got this and then, and then it, all of a sudden stage. they hit a different stage and you're just like okay oh, yeah. what's going on right and it's like yeah there's like do you find that
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't keep up, but I, I actually quite <laughs> enjoy it. She keeps me on my feet. She, she is a mini me. You haven't met her oh, yeah. yet, but no, um, no. So I feel like so. While yes, I have a hard time keeping up with the stages. I know what the next stage is going to be. If that makes sense, right?
2: Okay, yeah.
1: Because I, because I was that person. So
2: yeah, so, there so. you go. So you have some yeah. understanding. Yeah, to some you degree, remember. It gets,
1: old, it gets easier as she gets older you know, and, and also that's my true. mom, my mom kept a diary of, of her, of raising me up till I was a teammate. Really?
2: Wow. And it's
1: been interesting seeing the parallels there as well. So I feel like mom's oh. kind of giving me a, a heads up on what to expect. My mom's yeah. been a, a great, she's been a great teammate with all this.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's great that she kept that. That would help a lot, especially since you have a mini you. So
1: but it's funny because yeah. I remember reading. So when Adelaide, I was just telling Charles this the other day. When Adelaide was first born, I was reading the journal, and I was actually really put off by it, and I put it down because at some point oh. I had read up to I think I was five, four or five, yeah. and my mom was writing about how she didn't like me. And oh, interesting. I was like, and of course I've got a little, you know, I've got like a four-month-old, and I'm looking at this innocent angel, and I'm thinking, yeah, I, I don't need to read anymore for the fact, the fact right. that a. Full-grown adult wouldn't like a child, but now that I have that child, there are days where I love her, but I don't necessarily like her either. And right, yeah,
2: there's a there's a big difference, right?
1: She's a little older, so I can look at it with humor for sure.
2: Right, yeah, and it's like I and I think as parents, like that's kind of like that the kind of that common humanity that we have, right? Where where it's like. Some days we feel like, you know, like we're masterful parents, like, oh, I've got this right. And then other days, (laughs) other days you feel like such a horrible failure where you're just like, you're like, I hope that that kind of happened before their memory like actually kicks in because I'm like a horrible (laughs) failure as a parent. Right. And then on those days, the one the one thing that I liked about those days was when they would go down to sleep and you'd kind of like look in on them to check in on them. And they'd look so peaceful, even though they were little tears that day, right? They just like totally peaceful, and you could kind of like breathe again, knowing that tomorrow would be a fresh start. So.
1: <laughs> yes, and I and on those days, I very specifically go and sit down with her at night and just look at her little face. And she still suckles.
0: Oh, Okay. Um, she's yeah.
1: Almost five, and she still suckles like when she used to uh, feed. And yeah. so when she's asleep, her little mouth suckles, and uh. so it doesn't matter how hard of a day it is. I sit there and I just watch that, and I yeah I'm grounded again but but wow. yeah, it happens fast and you know i I've got to be honest, I'm scared for yeah. the whole emptiness thing um because you have to yeah. figure yourself out all over again, don't you?
2: well, hundred percent you do right because you know I often i I think I'd heard this or I'd said it or I can't remember, but it's like one of those things that you adopt where you're like, oh no i I must have come up with that, but I likely didn't um but it was like I remember thinking like you don't know how selfish you actually are until you get married. And then, and then you don't realize how selfish you've been until you have a kid. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like there's this progression where you have to, you have to, when you get married, you have to learn to, to kind of give even, even at times where it's like, where you're too tired, like to, you know, to, to be kind of who you need to be in a situation um and then when you become a parent you also need to kind of find that that extra depth to the well right where it's like oh i didn't realize i had anything left to give but you've got to because cuz that's kind of what parenting requires right it's like it's like no i'm exhausted but you know my kid needs to play right now and and so playing would be good and then there's some revitalization in that too right so anyways and then empty nesting comes along and you're like you're like wow! You start to rediscover yourself. You're right. You said that. You start to rediscover yourself. You start to to.
1: I see a figure. book in it. Honestly, I see a oh, book in that. Yeah, yeah. The emotions that you're going through right now are so fresh and so real. You, you, they'll probably numb as years go on. I would write paper to pen and start writing that now.
2: I think I think that's a great idea. That's the one thing. Like once I started writing like actual books once i started writing it was like because there i went through a whole period of time where i'm like i don't know if i can do this there's like a million people in the world that would be better than me to you know to do this and yada 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 and then and then once i was like i just have to do this like i just have to now it's like it's like i just have all of i've got like three books lined up in my head where i'm just like okay that's next that's next then that's next and so yeah so i'm just like i'm just coming to the end of of a of a novel like i've just finished the second draft and so i'm getting ready to send it out to some um some like for some editing now and and i'm already like i'm already thinking like okay i'm already like am i going to start like basically the next book am i start going to start to outline it tomorrow type thing like i'm i'm kind of like that's how my mind works but then i'm like But then I'm like, shoot, I also have to like, you know, I also have to talk about my book and promote my books too. Otherwise nobody's going to read them. And then I'm just like, I'm just kind of like just writing them. And I'm like, Hey, next book, next book. And then maybe posthumously people will be like, Hey, there was this guy who used to fly fish and never read it. (laughs) But, but now that he's dead, I think I'll, I'll read it. So I don't want to be that. I like, I love, I love kind of like knowing that people have read it. Like I had this one, this one, uh, um guy that I have that I've started to fish with and he was he has a I think he's a 12 or 13 year old son and and a few months ago he's like yeah no I'm reading I'm reading your book to my son every night he says I'm I'm reading you know a chapter or two to him right before bed we're reading it together and I ended up going fishing with them just kind of a week or two ago and they had finished it and uh and the son said to me he said he said that was like that was the, that's my favorite book. He said, that's the best book I've ever read. And it just was like, it just totally, it just totally warmed my heart. Right. Because I'm just like, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Knowing that a dad is reading a story that I've written to his son was cool enough. Right. But then for the kid to say that, I was just like, oh man, that's like, yeah. Anyways.
1: He's sitting back in the theater wanting more. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah,
2: (laughs) 100%. Yeah, 100%. He's just like, yeah. So anyways, it's got lots of twists and turns in it. I hope that I hope that you'll and you probably won't because I know like, you're like, you always operate on redline. And I think that that's kind of your sweet spot, right? When you're like, when you're kind of like always redlining and always like flying this way and that way. And like, kind of like, yeah, I'm getting married in two days, but I'll come out and film with you guys. Or yeah, I'm five months pregnant, but I'll come out and film with you guys or whatever it is, right? So, um, but I do hope that at some point you'll get a chance to, you'll get a chance to read the whole thing. And, um, and even if you don't, I like, I would love one day for like, obviously it's every author's dream, but I would love one day if somebody was like, Oh, we need to make this into a movie. And then you could watch it in like an hour and a half rather than reading the whole book. So, yeah. It's the first
1: thing I thought <laughs> when you were talking about the storyline. I was thinking this would be a good movie. And as far oh, as reading the whole book, yeah. I absolutely will. I've got it. I've got it scheduled in my calendar every night to read okay. for an hour. So I, I'm getting nice. myself back when it comes to that. Nice. So, yeah, okay. It's, it's a and then, investment and... into my own mental health.
2: Nice. Okay. And then make sure, like, make sure you get to like, because there's a lot. Of, there is like, it. This stuff happens right away, but then like, kind of then there's some setup and then kind of when you get to like chapter eight or nine or like right in there, it like, yeah. So make sure you stick with it. Okay. Like totally. Yeah. Sure.
1: Yeah. yeah. Have you yeah. thought about turning it yeah. into an audiobook? I love audiobooks. books. I know yeah, they against like what you believe with the papers and with the papers. Right.
2: Yeah. Stuff. No, I have, I have, um, I've had a few people that have asked me that now and I'm like, yeah, no, I think that that's a good idea. Cause there's so many people, right? Like, you know, we're traveling so many places and it's just like what a great way to you know to kill like a four-hour flight or whatever right just kind of put the walk, put walking, the uh,
1: like, as a mom or, taking yeah my, taking adelaide out with a stroller she's asleep right, a lot yeah. of the time and i need oh, to yeah I, I listen to podcasts but i love listening to audiobooks audio while I'm books
2: yeah that's it you know what that's a really good idea It'd be April, you'd, ser- genius. you'd be
1: doing us all a service you'd be doing us all yes. a favor as busy working parents
2: Okay, I will. Uh, I'll put that in the bug of the, uh, the, the yeah, the magazine people. I know people. The I, that I know be. people. April. Yeah. the powers that be. <laughs> I know people, so we can awesome. make stuff like this happen. Yeah, that's cool. cool. Yeah.
1: Well, look. Um. So people can find it on the website flyfusion.com or rwe.ca? We dot com.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's flyfusionmag.com. Yeah. Thank you. Or uh, yeah, or again on uh, if they want to go to Amazon. Uh, they can get it there too. Yeah. Or if you want to show up at my door, I've got copies for sale too, but I'm not going to give my address. So you'd have to play kind of a where's Waldo. <laughs> but if you did and you're like, Hey, I'm here. I want to buy a copy of your book. I'd be like, Oh, okay. Just Anyways, show up no, and don't, door please don't. Say... Yeah, please don't. <laughs> hey,
1: how did you do it to Jack? <laughs> hey (laughs) hey
2: yeah oh my goodness yeah i that's like the second time in my life where i've done something like that where i've got like this big speech planned and then and then i show up and i'm just like totally overcome by the moment hey yeah just a hey (laughs) the other time the other time was it was when i was asking my father-in-law before he was my father-in-law if i could have his daughter's hand in marriage
1: (laughs) you said hey no. <laughs> uh, no it wasn't it
2: was it was almost it was almost as bad though because I had this whole speech planned right and and I'd like sat down across the table from him we were out at a restaurant and and I, it was like I had it all planned. It was just great in my mind and and it came out like so um so I was just uh I was just wondering if uh, and it came out like that and I was just like, oh man. How could that happen? Right? Like, yeah. Anyways, I guess I get nervous at times and things don't come out properly, you know, yeah, during big life events, right? Where it's like this could change the course of your life. Yeah. Yep. So
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll, look, we'll, we'll wrap it up and I'll let you get back to your night there before we wrap it up. Is there anything that you would like to add or to ask me? Do not turn this into uh, a second interview, Derek. I know you. <laughs> it was meant to be a quick courtesy question. <laughs>
2: i like that you know what uh i do want to add one thing i won't i won't ask i won't turn this into a second interview and yes you do know that that i'll just keep talking um but uh but i do want to say um i do want to say that uh that i really like i wholeheartedly appreciate what you're doing and i've loved to see kind of your trajectory um over the last number of years uh i think that um that what you do and what I hear time and time and time again is just that like how much of an inspiration you are to, uh, to everybody, but specifically, you know, to, to like a lot of the young ladies that, you know, have kind of gotten into fly fishing or that, you know, kind of needed that, like needed a role model or needed somebody to look at and go, Hey, she does that. I can do that too. And, uh, and so, and I know it's not just, Kind of it's not just young ladies that do that but but i've heard from a number of them that that do do that and so so good for you um keep doing what you're doing uh keep you know keep kind of building what you're building um it's awesome it's incredible uh and i think that um you know again yeah it goes back to kind of like yeah we we share a lot in common right like i'm talking about people humans individual we share so much in common right and, and kind of public or mass communication um, reveals that. And we have a huge responsibility as people who kind of like, like share a message or, or send a message out. So keep doing what you're doing, April. And um, yeah, and way to go, way to go. So
1: awesome. Well, thank you so much. And likewise to you and don't be a stranger and keep me posted on the next book, please.
2: Awesome. I will do that. All right. Thanks Thanks for, thanks for having me. All right. Take care.
1: And that concludes this episode of Anchored. Thank you for listening.
0: Succeed, you want to fish, you want to be one of the greatest. Oh. Tune in to West Marines Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But as I've learned, no matter where I've been, tails can be damn tricky.